Welcome to this month's edition of Pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. I'm Greg Johnson with Sustana Fiber, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Dr. Marta Pazos. So Marta, it's good seeing you again. And now that spring is here, many of us are naturally thinking green. Easter was earlier this month. And just last week, many of us celebrated Earth Day. More and more companies are striving to be green and more importantly, taking tangible steps to help the environment. Hello, Greg. Yes, I am so excited to be here today. And as you know, I will always gear towards those uh, businesses that are having greener practices, circular, circular economy, and more sustainable practices. And I will always support them and root for them in any shape or form that I can. Exactly, Marta. And what better way to explore what it means for a business to be green and succeed than with our guest today, Michelle Thatcher, a co-founder and CEO of the U.S. Green Chamber of Commerce. Prior to being named CEO in 2013, Michelle was executive director of the Association of Florida Conservation Districts and today is on the advisory board of Recycle Across America and Ideas for Us. Based in Salona Beach, California, outside San Diego, the U.S. Green Chamber of Commerce is a national organization started in 2010 that promotes green business practices and has thousands of member companies that include Northwestern Mutual, Kimpton Hotels, and Toyota. Michelle, it's great to see you. We're grateful for your time today, and thank you for visiting with us. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. On a personal as well as professional basis, what do you do um, to help the environment um, in in terms of maybe recycling practices and and other things you do in your day-to-day life? Ooh, um, great question. There are so many things. I believe we, we definitely not, you know, that we need to walk the talk. You know, we can't just say, take, you know, take actions as a, as a business um, and not do it. And we can't encourage people to go home in their daily lives um, and start changing the way that they live if we're not doing it. So in, for me, uh, we, we, we worked really hard to get rid of one of our cars. Uh, so now we we got rid of our BMW, uh, replaced it with two electric bicycles, and we have a Prius because we do have to drive. Bicycles. Yeah, so we, we're down to one car as a family. And um, I have a mostly vegetarian diet for myself and try to eat at organic when it's available as much as possible. Uh, you know, even using, I live in a hot climate, so air conditioning is is going quite a bit, but as we're in those transition times, I also just use a fan. I know that seems like something so simple, but it saves so much as far as resources. Um, and the list goes on. I mean, there's so many different ways. I try to fly less. Um, just every aspect of our life from how we, you know, vote and vote regularly. Those are the big ones that we can make such a huge impact, um, making sure that we're voting for those climate candidates and initiatives and supporting local businesses that are really the ones we vote with our dollars. So those businesses that we're working with, 
um, you know, making sure that you are supporting the ones that have taken a greater initiative to be green. Well, you you certainly walk the walk and talk the talk, Michelle. I wouldn't you say, Marta? I don't think we've ever had anyone on our our podcast who has had such an extensive and an exemplary list of of what they do um, to help the environment. And so different, you know, because generally the responses that we get is, oh, I recycle, I try to, you know, consume less of this. I look at my choices when I am at the grocery store, but you are going to getting rid of a car, flying less, all these things that I personally find that they are the most impacting to the environment. Because yes, uh, the the issue of plastic pollution is huge and we know that and, and even the, the issue of plastic use, right? How dependent we are on plastics. But also there are so many other aspects in our daily lives that we could correct, right? And what about the voting part? I absolutely love that part too, because I do believe that if you wanna change something, you do have to change the policy, right? Um, we, we, we like to, we like to think that we are very, you know, that we are way better as, you know, human beings than we are, but sometimes making us do something is really the only way that we are going to do it. Right. Unfortunately, I have to say, unfortunately, and I am one of them, you know, so, and I was actually laughing a little bit when you were talking about flying less, because now I'm going to poke you. <laughs> on a few things that we heard about you. So uh, we heard that you're a tremendous uh, athlete from a very young age, right? That uh, when you were 11, you kayak, you went on a kayaking trip uh, down the Oregon River and you were the youngest one that did that. Uh, we also heard that you biked from Seattle to New York City. I hope that, you know, I hope that you don't decide to do that very often in those trips that you are like, okay, I'm not flying, I'm just biking. Um, and then you also did like 300 miles down the St. John's River down in Florida. So, I mean, all those things are like, to me, are always admirable because um, I, I actually joke, but to me, the idea of, uh, my idea of hiking is strolling down Fifth Avenue on heels. Um, so where does all that passion and energy come from? And do you think, and, and also, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to ask you how much of that has influenced you to be such an, you know, such a leader, such an innovator, because the U.S. Green Commerce of the Chamber of Commerce is, is not a it's not a simple thing to create, right? Yes. Oh well, you guys do your homework. I tell you, <laughs> I don't know where you found some of those, but yes, um, I I just uh, I have such a passion for nature, and it's not that um, I go out and seek big adventures or anything like that. It's where I also get my, my peace and my solace and my rejuvenation. So the second I sit down in a kayak and I'm on the water, I am at peace and I, and it gives me a hundred percent more energy than I did before I sat down out there in nature. And I do, you mentioned, um, hiking my, my big, passion now is definitely going out and hiking as much as I can getting out because it's you don't need anything other than maybe not your high heels but but maybe you know maybe just a pair of tennis shoes or even your flip-flops you can go out and and do a good hike but I think through through those initiative or through those trips that I did um 
One thing that it took a lot of is just determination and resilience and just that stick to itness to make sure that you finish. <laughs> and so I think with running a nonprofit organization, I'll just speak to those, all of those out there that run nonprofit organizations and businesses. You just have to have that within yourself to get through the rough times because no matter what, you're going to have them. We're all going to have those really, really difficult times. And so I think, um, you know, just processing, you know, the, the, you know, going through the resiliency part of any journey <laughs> and starting a business, starting, you know, having a nonprofit organization is certainly a journey. I'll tell you what, though, uh, sometimes high heels come in really handy in like, uh, soft uh, soil or ground because they dig, right? So you're not gonna, you're not gonna. You're sweat. aerating. Little traction, <laughs> as you know, Michelle. Sustana Fiber produces recycled pulp for all kinds of different sustainable packaging, and from paper cups and carryout containers to sandwich wraps and even microwavable sleeves. Um, as far as your members go at the U.S. Green Chamber of Commerce. Where do you see them going in terms of sustainable packaging, um, in terms of adopting more environmentally friendly packaging and trying to reduce or, in fact, eliminate single-use plastic? Well, certainly our members are 100% for transitioning to that, if they haven't already. Um, and But even beyond our members, our extended network that we work with is 100% for that. If when there's the right, like the right company in place and the right products in place and the right system in place, it's having all of those work together and having them realize that there are these products out there and there's these systems that are in place that they can just implement easily. So that's what's needed. And so I just commend you on what you're doing. Um, with your company because it's it's absolutely needed. We need to stop uh, single-use plastics for sure. Well, thank you. That's great to hear. We were, we appreciate it. Making it again, making it easy for yeah. the consumer, making it available, and change policy as well, yeah. right? Because when we have choices, sometimes the we don't go to the most beneficial for our environment. No, and that goes back to exactly what we were talking about with voting. You know, if you have to, we we vote for those proper initiatives. We vote for the right people who support that transition, that systemic transition that needs to take place. Yeah, yeah, Certainly. absolutely. Let's talk about a little more about the work that you do in the in the organization that you created, right? Uh, and actually, I'm I'm being a little selfish with this question too because as um, as an advisor for a fund that is center around circular economy, right, in which we can call them green businesses, I would love to go back to a lot of them and ask them what kind of resources they can find, right? So what is it that you can provide to your members, non-members, or those that who are thinking of becoming part of the U.S. Uh, green uh, Chamber of Commerce? So with us, we first and foremost, we always feel like we want to provide a home for those who want to transition 
are already transitioned, on the way to transitioning. <laughs> um, they just have a heart and ethic for this. First and foremost, I will say that heart and ethic is really important, but an important part, which a lot of people think, well, joining the Green Chamber, I'm not green, so I probably, should, you know, that's not really for me uh, because I'm not green yet. But I, we always reach out and say, please, we want to transition, we want to help you. So one resource that we do is we want to make sure that everyone understands going green isn't just about that wonderful heart ethic <laughs> about being green and saving the planet. It's also about uh, the bottom line and making sure that people are making money. So we have toolkits that they can utilize. We have certifications, we have programs, we have promotion, we do advocacy, um, we do networking, we have brand new programs that are coming up uh, that help to you know, share resources in very cool, new and innovative ways. So it, a whole array of different ways that we take a business and we try to help them you know, realize even promotion, you know, just talking about like, how do we share what those best practices are in a really unique way that resonates with each of their customers? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that you touched in such an important point here, uh, which is, I believe, one of the, the, the reasons, maybe not one of the main reasons, but certainly is one of the reasons why a lot of these Greece business, green businesses are failing, which is the fact that they are either not making money or they are certainly making less money than the, the, the less green alternative, right? So because of that, because we're still in that phase of a scaling up and until we get there, we may, they, they may not be able to be as profitable as it, it's needed to be sustainable. And sustainable, I'm not, I don't mean in the green sustainable way, but to sustain themselves throughout the years, right? Any Anything else that you can elaborate on that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think we're talking about two different segments um, from a, you know, when we're talking about green business, because there are those small startups that may have a, a niche market that could be related to implementing a green practice, you know, implementing their core of their business is about creating a product, uh, you know, related to sustainability. And just like any small business, they might be struggling and, you know, having difficulty. But when I think of the word sustainability, I think of success. I do not think of failing. And the reason I think of success is because number one, studies have shown those corporations that started long ago with the processes towards sustainability are far outperforming those who that didn't. So I do not think of failure when I think of sustainability. I only think of success because those are the, the companies that we're working with. And there's also this, I mean, there's a there's been a huge shift then since we started <laughs> as an organization. I mean, you know, we were trying to say, okay, it's really good for the planet. Come along, you know, do your part. But now we can honestly say, look, this is about your bottom line. Do you want to save money? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to have better employees, more passionate employees, attract more, you know, of the top tier employees? Um, you know, and those are the things that 
the sustainable businesses and those new, even the new eco businesses are, are attracting. They get way more opportunities than those businesses who are not going down that path. I mean, that's what we're saying for sure. Yep. You know, I'm gonna use your yeah. I'm gonna use your definition of sustainability from now on. Sustainability is not about like the uh, you know the being green to the environment kind of thing, but it's about being successful in the long term, right? That's a good reframe for sure. You know, talking about sustainability, Michelle, I know that the chamber has a program called the Sustainability Certification Program. Could could you tell our audience a little bit about what that entails and? what value that brings to them? Yeah, great question. Uh, we're so proud of our um, uh, certification program because it takes an individual, not the business itself, because there are some other certification programs out there for businesses, but it takes the individual. So it could be the CEO. It could be you know a whole team of employees because certification has to be an integral part of every aspect of your company. So as many team members that can go through it, the better, but it takes them through all of the different action items for a company, especially a small to mid-sized company of just easy step-by-step, you can handle you know, this process um, initiatives that, that they can implement from day one. They even, when they get started, the first chapter, they get through it and they get their checklist. So it could be about energy efficiency and they just have their little checklist that they could start implementing right away. So one thing that they get is just this empowerment. So they get the credential at the end of it so they can showcase to others out in the field and and in other businesses that, hey, we do have this credential, you know, and I, you know, and I have this credential. But more importantly, it's about the very clear, simple action items that they can take. And it's always amazes me the type of people that go through it. Super high level, you know, industry leaders, which always like worries me thinking, oh, well, you know, you're in the waste industry and you're going to evaluate our waste, you know, for the small to mid-sized business um, and business professional, but they always get so much out of it. And they even say to us, wow, you know, I didn't realize, you know, like we've heard about Recycle Across America as an example, but we hadn't really implemented this within our business. And so those are, we love to hear those types of stories. Well, that's wonderful. It sounds like a great program that uh, many individuals, whether you're a startup or a seasoned company, could benefit from. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to get that checklist, by the way. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that uh, later. Um, and you actually touched also on like these businesses and their their sustainability journeys, right? And how green or not they are. And like at the beginning, it was all about well, I'm gonna um, this is where we need to go. I'm gonna save the earth without like really having any substance to it, if you want. Um, and this has been one of my biggest annoyances. And this is the one of the parts where I'm going to get like really firm and passionate about this because everything I do is with passion, including the stuff that I don't like. And um, I have been in corporate for a very long time and I have, and I have seen, well, I'm no longer there, but this is a recent transition. So I have seen businesses from like, you know, the early 2000s, which is probably when this whole like movement mm -hmm. uh, started creating more 
a, a commotion, yeah. right? Like it started becoming a little more popular against amongst all of us. And I saw, you know, like a little bit of a program here and there. How can we save some energy if we do this? How can we, of course, advertise it, right? So because if you don't market it, it's like it, it's not happening. Um, and and I've gone all the way to a lot of leaders, a lot of CEOs, a lot of board directors members committing to some serious transition, some serious changes in a very, very, very short timeline, especially considering the pace at which companies are moving these days, which is like total pace, right? And I am thinking right now, companies that are like, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2025, which is like three years from now. And they haven't done anything yet. Uh, I mean, I have the explanation for it. They are just like, they're just going to get the brownie points for announcing that. And by the time that the commitment has to be realized, they are no longer in that position. So who cares, right? Which is terrible. How how can we make them, make these huge commitments more of an accountable thing? How can we make them accountable and responsible for just like throwing these huge uh, you know, the, these huge alerts out in in the public with the hopes that nobody's going to remember when the time comes. That is a, that's a heavy question and a really- It is very heavy. And it's I a know. really critical <laughs> question, Marta, because it is so detrimental to us at the U.S. Green Chamber when businesses do this. It's so detrimental to the authentic, hardworking businesses who are putting their, you know, their money where they're, you know, to where they're putting their into their green businesses and really making a heartfelt, concerted effort with real um, transparency. So what it comes down to is making sure that these businesses are transparent and that they not just put out the here's what our goal is in the next three years, but here's our action plan and here's our weekly monthly you know every other month reporting showing that we are making progress but we have seen this over and over again with some of the large corporations and it's it's a complete pet peeve of mine (laughs) and because it really doesn't serve us and it's and it's also just very dangerous when we're talking about carbon emissions and they're putting out there. I mean, it's nice that, you know, it's like, hey, we're we're making an alert that this is an important topic. But if you are not um, dedicated to making sure that your company does that transi- transition and just puts it off to the to the next CEO or the next sustainability officer, um, we as as those maybe that would be within their supply chain need to alert them. We that are consumers, you know, we started working with consumers just recently with our Global Climate Pledge project because it's something that it can't just, you know, the consumers do care. They're starting to realize and we're becoming a lot more educated with, you know, we're helping to educate our consumers on a much higher level than we ever have before. And we've seen this, we've worked with chambers of commerce, even in you know, going back to the voting, you know, stage, you know, we worked, we've been working with a few chambers saying, oh, you, you know, like you're going to 
you know, suppress voting rights in, in your area, you know, maybe not a good idea. Oh, I think our businesses are fine with that. It's like, maybe not, you know, and they really, it's something that those consumers of the pro, of the companies who are part of a chamber absolutely said, we're boycotting you now. You just did that and we're boycotting you. So I know that's a way deeper level of it, but we're just becoming more savvy. And we, we as businesses need to educate through our promotion of how we're doing real practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, boycotting may sound a little extreme, <laughs> but there's a lot of ways to boycott something, right? You don't have to go and like, uh, like they've done with like the CEO of Nestle, you know, that they all went like you, you, to the headquarters and dump a bunch of uh, plastic bottles, but simply by like, um, you know, this is something that I would like to tell consumers just because a company it's saying is, is proclaiming such a strong commitment in a, in a fairly, you know, small amount of time, it doesn't mean that they are going to do it. Therefore, do not fall for it and don't buy their products because until they show you their progress, until they show you a plan, you shouldn't do that. I mean, unfortunately, there is no penalty for lying, right? We can't, we can't like take anybody to prison for having lied. Maybe that's, you know, something that we, we may want to change with Congress and, and, and laws. But, but for now, I, I think that that would be a good step. So everybody out there that is listening, do not fall for the company that says that they are going to eliminate all plastic waste by a certain year. Do it only when they show you how, when, and their progress, right? Yeah, yeah and, and who knows, Michelle, this might be an opportunity for the chamber to maybe develop some kind of a, a scorecard or an evaluation type of a program for such companies um, to really see where they're at. Um, because yeah, like you both talked about, I, I think it is kind of a an empty promise type of a exercise that consumers are smart enough to see through um, these days. Talking about these days, Michelle, we all know that companies continue to contend with a lot of problems in, in 2022. Uh, everything from inflation and labor shortages to energy concerns, and of course, the all too familiar supply chain issues. Um, with these types of continuous challenges, are there any programs that the chamber offers to its members to to help them, uh, if not solve, at least kind of navigate some of these issues? I mean, it does go back to resiliency and every aspect of what we do helps to build the company's resiliency. However, one program that I feel like that we're just rolling out within the next couple of weeks is a program called BEN, Business Exchange Network. And so we call, we say it's like the Airbnb, but for business to business exchange. So as opposed to renting your house out, you as a business, and this really helps with the supply chain challenge right now, you as a business might say, oh, I need a, you know, I'm a construction business and I need a fork, uh, a forklift or forklift just broke down. And do I have to ship you know, so I have to rent one from, you know, 500 miles away, do I have to buy a new one? And so, but there could be a business that's right next door that has a forklift that that's sitting there idle. So therefore that business can then exchange and rent that forklift for the day, for the week, whatever 
they need and what's available. So it's about the sharing economy. It's about the local economy because we really want the, as close as we can get, we want those businesses to share. They just might not be aware of the fact that there's this amazing, you know, company that has exactly what they need that happens to be, you know, right down the street. So we are, we are rolling that out and it helps with all of what you just said, um, because the companies make money if they have something to share. They save money because if you're doing, you know, you can kind of bid back and forth. So you, it's not like just going down and saying, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to buy this whole new product or, you know, something that I, you know, just am going to have to pay top dollar for. And you might just even have excess inventory that you just need to get rid of as opposed to paying all the money to store inventory. So it, there's so many different ways that people can make money, save money, and and also build that local network and reduce waste. I mean, what, well, am sure. what an amount of waste you can reduce, right? Because again, if you have that kind of inventory at some point that you eventually need to get rid of just to create a space, isn't it better to have somebody that can take it off your hands as opposed to just exactly landfill exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And we're working right? and we are working with business, um, with chambers of commerce. So even though we're, you know, the U.S. Green Chamber of Commerce, one of our main goals also is to help work with other chambers, you know, integrate what they're doing from a green business practice. And we all start to share each other. So they're going to come into this platform as well because we want it to stay local. You know, we want all, you know, everyone to, to be exchanging with each other. And chambers have been around for so long. So we support, you know, we are a chamber. So we want to support that extended chamber network and provide tools and resources for them as well. That, that sounds like a great program. And, and when is that launching? Um... Michelle, do, do you have a launch date for that? Well, we're in, for yeah, we're in this, we're just getting the soft launch. Um, and so we're just bringing some of our coalition chambers for sustainability coalition members. And so we're just in the soft launch phase right now. So, yeah. Okay. Well, fantastic. We'll That's keep wonderful. an eye on that. Yeah. Here is a, a quote from one of my actually personal role models as an entrepreneur, Sarah Blakely, who founded, who is the founder and CEO of Spanx. And not only I think that she is magnificent, I absolutely love her line of clothing. I, I haven't really used much of the underwear part, but I'm telling you like the shapewear, not much, but I am a huge fan of pants, leggings, and all of that, the other stuff that she does. So I'm going to wrote a quote. Uh, I'm going to write a, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to read a quote for you that she said, uh, I actually remember I, I've, I've, um, I've seen her masterclass. I've uh, heard a lot of the podcast that she's been in and I follow her on LinkedIn. So definitely I, I, I'm pretty familiar of how she started in her, her, her mind, right? Like her set of mind. So she once said that she remembers uh, a, growing up in a house where her father encouraged her to fail so and then she specifically remembers coming home and saying dad dad i tried out this uh, for that and i failed and her father would say high five and i am very proud of you right so it is like that encouragement to fail which is you know i i think that this is crucial because i mean i don't i don't mean to 
bring up any negativities about any sort of generation of group of people or anything like that. But I think that that encouragement to fail is kind of like being dissipated. I am myself was always a person that was always like, you know, um, I wouldn't say criticized, but certainly uh, like critically taught that it was okay, that the main thing was actually to try and not necessarily that it was okay to fail, by the way, but it is, it should not be a reason for you not to stop trying, right? And this is something that I, as an entrepreneur, reading all the one-on-ones that I can get my hands on, is something that you hear constantly, right? You can be knocked down, but don't be knocked out, right? So how do you think, um, if you look at the statistics that show that there's actually like around half of the small businesses that start fail in, in within 10 years. How do you think that the, I know it is so sad to think about that and kind of scary, right? But if you think about like Sarah Blakely's quote, it should just be a reason for you to continue, right? To, to continue not to be knocked out. So how do you think that the uh, green, uh, Chamber of Commerce can support into that direction of like, keep trying. Well, it's so ironic that you bring up the Sarah Blakely story because I give that to all of our team members. I give them exercises to say, come back to me and tell me what your biggest failure was because it is so critical even within our realm that we have to push the envelope. We have to push so hard to make sure that we're, we're on the edge at all times. And that's the only way that you're going to fail at some point if you go to the edge. And so if you're not on the edge, you're probably in the world of sustainability and what we're doing, you're not working hard enough, in my opinion. <laughs> So, so we, we want to encourage even our team and our staff. And I always, you know, I say some days it's like, wow, you know, like, yeah, I've gone on some adventures, but this is the biggest adventure I've ever been on. <laughs> and, you know, I'm constantly in that stage of like, oh, I'm getting a little nervous. And yeah, yeah. We, we could be heading towards, you know, we could head towards failure. And of course, different projects might have, you know, bombed at one point or another. So I think for the small to mid-sized business um, that we're working with in those startups, it's, you know, we just, we are there to support each other. You know, we're here to listen to those stories and say, and, and remind everybody, hey, we're all in the same boat. We all had to go through COVID. We all had to adapt. We all had to be resilient. Yeah, perhaps we have forgotten, right? Like, or, or we haven't really automatically realized that how those green practices are so important for the statement of the business, i.e. the success, right? And you're thinking about the cash flow, the number of employees, the number of uh, clients, right? Your revenue, whatever it is, but you don't think about your, your, biz, your green business practices as one of those things that you should put on the list of look at how successful successful I am, right? Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much. Um, Marta and I have just enjoyed your passion and commitment to yeah. the environment and especially to helping businesses during these challenging times. Yeah. It sounds like you've got some fantastic programs like Ben, you mentioned, and the sustainability certification program and, and your climate pledge. Um, 
all fantastic programs. So we thank you for all the great work you're doing to help our, our planet. Well, and thanks for educating us on sustainability means success. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to know each of you and it's such an honor being here. So thank you for having me. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks again for joining us for this month's edition of Pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. We look forward to seeing you next month, but in the meantime, if you would like more information, please be sure to visit sustanafiber.com. And don't forget to subscribe and please give us a good rating and a good review. We want to keep bringing this to you and that is the best way that you can help.